it, it's a testament to the, how well they've been able to you just got dinner notification it's a testament to how well <laughs> guess who it is <laughs> now can I just say this is Amy Donahue <laughs> Amy Donahue <laughs> She does it every week because she knows I'm recording this podcast and she always catches me out. So this is not Gavin. <laughs> what do you mean? This is the intro. I'm heartbroken. Just heed the moment, does a bit of niggling. You know, I want, 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 want I'm supposed to. They're my life, you know. People are water, they're my life, you know. And, just, just sorry for the for the people who offered for what, what I'm after doing today, you know. Things were just going through my head, you know, and, and because like you know, I, I don't want to leave the people who offered them, you know. Cause I, I, I love, I love, I love my county, you know. Hello and welcome to the Action Replay Extra Time Podcast. I'm joined by Gavin Quinn, Alex Dunn, Ian Brennan and myself, Luke Redmond. Uh, for, we're going to talk about a bit of football. The Ireland squad was released today. Um, the rugby. It's definitely some Formula 1, which Gavin will be delighted about. Uh, and some Champions League football as well. Uh, rips for yeah, There's actually loads happening now, <laughs> considering last week we didn't have a podcast because of the big snow. Yep. The big snow. And there was nothing happening the weekend, so it's been very tough, and now everything's getting back going again, so it's nice. Lovely. Absolutely. So I think we could jump straight into the Ireland squad for the football. Yeah. Uh, some interesting inclusions there, Ian. Uh, there were four or five um, young-ish... Well, like, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're young players that got into Relative to the Irish international scene. Although, an interesting note to make, before we do get into who made who, was um, only one over 30 player in the outfielders anyway I know a couple of the goalkeepers but we only have one player over 30 named in the outfield uh, positions entirely which was Shane Long yeah now I know there are obviously injuries that affected who can be called up into that squad but that is a promising sign for reducing at least by a little bit the average age of the Ireland squad yeah uh, Kieran O'Hara who is in the United Youth System as a goalkeeper mm-hmm. he's, he got called up Declan Rice obviously which we've been calling for for ages has got called up um, Daryl Lenehan got called up Derek Williams fan, got called up as well big fan of both of them not a big fan of Blackburn who to pay for but a big fan of both of them also young team. youth prospect Scott Hogan also <laughs> um, Liam Kelly Liam Kelly's in the squad. One we've been calling You've for also Daryl Daryl Horgan as well, who's kind of quietly drifted out of yeah. the scene, uh, but he's still there. And Enda Stevens as well. Yeah, true. Sheffield's United. The only problem is this is a thirty-man squad, and knowing Martin O'Neill, all of those players that we just mentioned are not going to make the squad, with save the exception maybe Declan Rice. The thing is, is he that should. because it's uh, friendlies, I don't believe he'll be under any pressure to necessarily drop any of them because he. There is technically no limit on how many players you can name for a friendly. I know generally generally they cap it at 25, 26, but you can keep 30 around for training. Now, how many of those four would make the match day squad is a different story entirely, but yeah. I don't foresee. I think all 30 of them will stick around for the full training camp. If yeah, you know. they'll, sure. yeah, they'll stick around, but I don't see Kieran O'Hara is not getting a look in, I don't think. Well, possibly. Uh, Second half know, against like... Northern Ireland, there's always a, an opportunity, you know. Um, when you've got Rob Elliott... Uh, Colin Doyle and Kieran Westwood in there as well like you know Randolph obviously isn't in because of injury but why I don't you see if this is supposed to be a squad picking uh, admittedly for friendlies but for friendlies that with one eye on 
the progression of this Ireland squad yeah can I just back that up as well for what Martin O'Neill just said about an hour ago at a press conference to back up what you're about to say we have this opportunity and a game where we can introduce these players to the group and to the senior international setup, it's but the right time. That's something he's really done, though. No, in the he past. said now it's the, the right time. Is this the dawn of a new Martin O'Neill era? My point was, why, why were we? Why, there's no point in sticking Colin Doyle on for that game. You know, the, the, the famous, <laughs> the infamous really no one-pound goalkeeper. Do you know what I mean? We don't. Yeah, Colin Doyle, 37 years of age. Okay, sure, he's been in and around Ireland squad since he played for Birmingham in the Premier League 10, 12 years ago, however long yeah. it was. But ultimately, you know, for somebody like Kieran O'Hara, I'd sooner see him as the supposed third choice. As I said, second half against um, whoever. Before um, we put Colin, and it's no disrespect to Colin Doyle. He's a fine goalkeeper for who he is, which is a League One, League Two standard Bradford. goalkeeper. Yeah. Bradford League One, sorry, but um, yeah, like of course, Kieran O'Hara has an opportunity to make it in there. All, all thirty of them do. Daryl Lenehan and Derek Williams, I know they're playing League One for Blackburn. You know, Liam Kelly's Reading aren't necessarily doing well, but we have to give these players an opportunity in the Ireland jersey to see what they can do also another player that I've noticed who has been in the squad before but hasn't really got a look in before is Matt Doherty and I feel like this could be a time where he he gets yeah. he gets to shine in the green jersey which you is see, deserved you see the, the, the problem is is that if Doherty does he will likely be playing at left full which is away from his regular position however I yeah. do well, well, I would be of the belief that he is flexible enough to, to cover obviously with Stephen Ward not in the squad yeah. um, there is an opportunity there um, it's also an opportunity for a more natural left back like uh, Derek Williams or Greg Cunningham who are also there but um, yeah yeah, we could definitely see Doherty it's, it's a shame that we have two talented players for the for the one position I suppose but um, yeah no he could definitely slot in there left back and we'd see what he can do or we can just play him on the games and you know keep James Coleman on the bench it's only a friendly at the end of the day we can experiment a little yeah, is this is this a chance you reckon for O'Neill to kind of cement a kind of a more four two three one kind of formation with a with a definite attacking midfielder as opposed to just three midfielders? Well, he could show Conor Huran in there straight away. I He's, think Conor Huran will probably play deeper just for this series, just because James McCarthy's yeah. Out. I'm looking. I'm or looking Jeff Hendrick. Do, one of the two. You still do have Jeff Hendrick, uh, Harry Arter, and David Myler as well. David Myler. Oh, so geez, yeah. you're you're grand <laughs> in terms of you don't need to throw Huran back like. Well, yeah, I, I, I would. I I well. I'm looking at two names in particular. One for this set of friendlies, and one looking towards the future. Well, that would be Union O'Kane going towards the future as kind of the new Wes Hulham, who should be starting pretty much every game, and also Liam Kelly as kind of like a backup. Well, well, I'd sooner yeah. put Alan Judge in there before Union O'Kane, to be honest. With well, you. that's true. Yeah, Union O'Kane hasn't been doing it for Leeds in a long, long, long time. Um, Alan George okay he's got the momentum coming back from his injury he was performing reasonably well to the point that people were suggesting he could take over from Houlihan before we knew of Houlihan's retirement two years ago before obviously horrific leg break you know came back scoring his comeback for Brentford he's in there I'd sooner have him and Kelly Dyson out for and I guess Shawnee if you're not going to play him up front but we may we may not it depends uh, Dyson out for that number 10 position uh, than O'Kane uh, that's yeah. me personally I don't see a lot of value I would, in okay yeah. and I think he's just the worst version of James McLean and you know he's quite a divisive figure in the Irish system already so one question I want to ask is um, a fit Callum O'Dowda how does he fit into this midfield system well, if you're going 4 2 three, one, he like, will, is, does he have a future as a starter for Ireland now? oh he does yeah, I, absolutely. See, I don't think he would figure on the right because and this was an interesting point to me brought up by um a lad I know I'm not saying I'm not saying you should I'd say that's where I think O'Neill will play him but I don't think so because um, there was a point raised to me by a a mate of mine Cormac from DIT who said that um, you know the Jonathan Walters role will probably go to one of uh, Shane Long or Shawnee Maguire as in that 
covering the right wing and the uh, essentially playing like a right winger, second striker at the same time, which is a very confusing role well, to who's begin with. Striker but, then, uh, which w- one or the other, you can pretty much interchange them. I think Long will probably fit into the Walters role better. Of course, he performed and he's well got the experience the to do well, it too. Italy, so, so. Um, I think we're lacking forward options now in terms of out and out strikers. I don't think I, we are. Sean, uh, Sean no, McGuire came back and scored a, du- a double. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. we've got three sort of headline forwards in Long, Maguire, and regrettably for my own reputation, Hogan. Well, I, 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 for me, Long is past it. I know it, that, that may, might sound harsh, but he just doesn't score goals. But that's why, which is why he'd be better as that right wing industrious role, kind John of player. Walters scored goals. John oh, Walters scored. Long is very capable of scoring goals too. He's, capable, he's just he in a he's just in a bad stretch of form. Well, how how bad maybe, in a bad stretch of form? Well, maybe he can reinvent himself in this new role. No, he's you never know. Thirty for me. He's he's, he's coming towards. You could say end. that about John Walters when he first came to the team. He was I think he was twenty seven. John Walters always you know? gave us all in the Ireland jersey though, and always. And Shane Long doesn't. No, he doesn't. He, no, he does. Sorry, but like <laughs> his performance level that he puts in does not necessarily equate to the performances that come out of it. I actually agree with Luke here in saying that Shane Long is coming into the twilight of his international career but I don't know his oh, best years is. are I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that well, like, that yeah. he's gonna like he could reinvent himself what I'm saying I, for yeah, a little bit of a purple patch before he takes a step back I think himself. I think I'm kind of in between the three yes I think Shane Long I think his days as the the lead striker for Ireland are gone but I feel like he could pull a shift on the right wing if, mm. if needed to now for the so record I'm I'm advo- I'm not advocating the opinion that Long should be our star right winger because I don't believe that for one second it's just something that I read and well, I thought yeah. it's very Martin O'Neill-esque to do that so you know? Martin O'Neill. if I was to pick in a, if I was to pick an Ireland midfield today Shane Long wouldn't feature in it although he'd probably still feature who, w- who fronts, would start on the right for you uh, Hendrick because he's where it's played the best for Ireland uh, when he's been given the opportunity I'd go from McCarthy and Arthur in the DM positions Hendrick right Brady left Maguire 10 what and you don't what, put what Ododa team? in that team um, I have Ododa as my first option if any of the attacking three get See, injured I think, I think yeah, our midfield actually... options are so strong that I think we should just drop playing a striker and play false nine but Martin O'Neill would never do that oh, we're not Spain we've got good ball this. playing yeah midfielders we could do McCar- McCarthy at the base with, or Arthur at the base with McCarthy on the left Hendrick on the right and then you put Sean Maguire as an, an advanced right winger Robbie Brady as an advanced left winger and I presume you were playing O'Dowd in yes, the hole but you could swap O'Dowd and Maguire I would possibly play you could play either They're, they both work as possible but where does Aidan McGeady fit into this guys <laughs> <laughs> on the bench or preferably that's, that's been very very generous yeah. <laughs> left, left, left at home on the couch <laughs> back to Scotland <laughs> an unattached Aidan McGeady comes to the Euro 2022 like, is he in a wheelchair Sorry, the World wheelchair. Cup 2022 bottom of the championship Sunderland oh dear oh dear oh dear is right maybe that's the perfect time to segue on to the rugby where we're actually pretty good at that so uh, the Ireland team was released today and was, some yeah. big names have come back into the team well obviously I'd say the main story uh, during the week has been that Tyke Furlong's back yeah. uh, it's a massive and obviously Ian Henderson too it's a massive thing to have them back training and back fit especially with a big big push for a Grand Slam now on the horizon hopefully mm-hmm. um, Gary Ringrose Obviously, yeah, Guy Ringrose too. Less established, obviously, in an Ireland shirt, but um, it's kind of a force. It's a forced hand because of the injury for Chris Farrell. Because Chris Farrell was man of the match for me against Wales yeah, two Ring- weeks ago. Ringrose wasn't necessarily 
as uh, convincing when he was out with Leinster. Even on when he's out with Leinster, yeah. Compared yeah. to Farrell, well, he's only just better. back in fairness. So yeah, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just a bit concerned that it's, it's definitely forced. Especially we would have, we would have loved to have Henshaw there just to fill that. Well, well it is course, a team yeah. lacking. It's, it's, it's in centres really. In, in, well, we're lucky. What, 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 did a fabulous job against more, Wales. More experienced, proven centres at international level than centres full stop. I think Ireland have enough. Yeah. Depth yeah. at pretty much every position other than um, maybe Tighead, but to be honest, we've got oh no, Andrew Ward as well in fairness. But um oh, no, yeah. plenty. it is a team that doesn't have that, you know, that sort of that two thousand nine to two thousand eleven you know, no, I'd argue you, I, that that had that. You know, you, you're lacking a Sean O'Brien in there, maybe just for that extra bit of experience. In no, I I have but, to but disagree the, with the, you. The there. players that have come into to that back uh, the back row, you look at somebody like Dan Levy, who's done, you know, pretty. Dan Dan Levy, I think Dan Levy was the actual man in the match in the Wales game. If I'm wrong, <laughs> insane. Yeah, yeah, he was just my man was, in the match yeah. was um, yeah, was Farrell. But I, like, I I I would be of the opinion that experience helps definitely and it, it kind of it helps it helps get rid of the negatives and you know the like moments yeah. of madness it's more but so the it's more so the bench I'd be looking at that that you know okay Ian Henderson and Sean Cronin are there um, but you know you look at names you like you got Jack uh, McGrath there too surely haven't you probably past his best um, you know Kevin Marmion Joey Carberry Jordan Larmer you know like they're not players that you know. Well, look, they're, they're did reasonably well. They're reasonably well, but if there's a kick from forty yards, yeah, to win yeah. the match, and we're look, in, and the clock goes I would, red, I would, I, would, I would rather give it to Murray or yeah or Carney. Oh, but don't look, let the, Murray kick that ball again. Oh my god, my heart. Uh, <laughs> it's better than letting Sexton kick it against Wales well, now. Very, yeah, true. But um, look, I know well, I can I can see the point you're making in terms of uh, the squad depth, in terms of experience. Yeah, well, in terms of quality, there's no question. It's but there. the qual- I think the quality is there, and what Schmidt is trying to do is trying to keep a competitive squad while at the same time building for what what we're really looking at, which is a World Cup next year. You see, the quality will shine through in those individual moments. And sure, okay, Joey Carberry hasn't faced as many as, say, our established number 10, Jonathan Sexton, has. But you think about when Sexton was coming into the side, could you have made the same argument with him and Rog back in the day? Sexton Sexton was very shaky for the first year until I think he really came of age against South Africa, if I'm wrong in saying. There's always that that worry there. Is this the right time to be bringing players like that in? I, I think I, it is. I, 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 I think, think it is. O- I think it's the only time you can do it because yeah. realistically, do you, not, do you not do it in a in a you know, autumn international? Or like the, the, this is edge isn't the competitive edge in the Six Nations. Well, no, it, it depends on the nations there. that you're playing. If you have mm. a if you have a particularly competitive Test series against, say, two of the top three teams in there, so one two out of Safka, Australia, and New Zealand. If you're going down there and playing two out of three of them uh, in in a tour, or you're playing mm. say three games against New Zealand, like we did. Then that's fine. Then there's a competitive edge there, of course. You know, rugby friendlies. There's a lot more prestige and, and competitiveness attached to football friendlies. But like, ultimately, the Six Nations is where you can best yourself in like a league, a proper competition yeah, format yeah. against five. Well, but are we? Are we? What? What? What are we looking at here? We're looking at a Grand Slam. Now, what would you rather? A semi-final run to the World Cup or a Six Nations Grand Slam? Semi-final run to the World Cup. Well, if we win a Grand Slam, we're putting ourselves in a very prime position. To because do that, Joe Schmidt maybe may, needs to make the decision. Is that more, does he want to pee too world, early? Is that what if, you're trying to say? If the World Cup is what he's looking at, then he does need to bring these players in now. Because yeah, he's already if, doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, then he needs to bring his player. But if the Grand Slam is what's important to him, then I think maybe he's going the wrong way. But the thing is, is that um, I don't want to disrespect Scott. I don't know that he's going the wrong way. The injuries are a concern. 
Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah, the injuries are yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I was going to say, I don't want to disrespect Scotland because obviously their fantastic performance against England, I became a Scot for the majority of that yeah. game. <laughs> I was shouting at the telly hard in the and country, I was we're playing Wales, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, um, you know, Scotland is one of the... And there are games in the Six Nations where you can have a relative degree of flexibility. Italy's obviously the obvious one. Obviously the obvious one. And I, I suppose that because of the injuries, he's been put in a particularly difficult position. But he does now have the opportunity to give these lads competitive time, uh, or good time in competitive fixtures that are high pressure because Scotland yeah. are a, a team on the rise. They have only made one change since the England game. They're confident in the way that they play rugby. They're going to come mm. in with full confidence. Oh, they will. But if we're, if we're emptying the bench and Jordan Larmer is the man who's coming on, I don't trust him yet. I'd be a little bit concerned about Jordan Larmer, but in terms of in the, in the pack... I have complete faith. Yeah. Think about how Jack Conan's come on since he came in. Obviously, James Ryan, James Ryan as well. Yeah. Even, he, even he, James Porter. Ryan has been steady, but you can tell that there's something brewing. There's one performance away from just cementing his place yeah. as one of the stars. Yeah. Similar to Tyke Furlong, I think. Yeah. In the I way Tyke Furlong I, has come I, I in. Yeah, but these that. were all players that were were they they they're not from last year's Six Nations. They were given their chance in the Autumn Internationals, yeah. and now after they proved themselves there, they're being brought in. One players player, like Larmer. You know, one player they weren't in the autumn internationals. Well, that's just a that's just a case of coincidence more than anything else. Lammer happened to emerge at a time where it was only a couple of months beforehand, and Joe Schmidt was like, "Okay, maybe we'll leave him yeah. off." But because his form I, in, the, I, in the blue jersey at least has continued, therefore you're right to bring him in. I'm okay, still surprised, and I have friends who watch it all rugby, and they say he he shouldn't be on that bench. He should be. He, well, it's who, not who should be on the bench instead? I, I think I, they just would, need somebody for centre. I would have made. I would have made the argument that uh, maybe. You mean for back? You mean Fergus sorry, McFadden? Sorry, sorry. Fergus yeah, McFadden maybe should be on the bench. Yeah, I, 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 I would be with Ian on that. I think. I think a, 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 somebody who knows the situation would be better than somebody who you know might have an explosive moment. But it depends on what you're looking for. Then I mean, if you've got. Um, okay, uh, somebody I mean, with for thirteen up, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you've got somebody with the experience of Rob Carney to Marshall, your back three already dead in the centre, you can have a little bit of flexibility, and you can bring somebody who has that X factor onto the pitch. Then, as long as it's not a direct replacement for Carney, but if you can with expect Larmer, him to complete the which I think minutes. Larmer is, in fairness, I think yeah. if Larmer was going to come on, he'd come on for Carney, and I think that's where the what that's where the little concerns lie. Because like like we saw against Italy, Larmer came on and we conceded a couple tries at the end, but it was. Yeah, it's uh, no, I, I, I understand where Luke's coming from. You know, the, the, the relative inexperience of Larmer compared to, say, Joey Carberry or, you know, a Jack McGrath or Ian, or Ian Henderson is a bit of a concern considering he is our only, like, winger slash fullback. Okay, then just keep um, keep Rob Carney on the bench well, and you're fine. Well, my argument is I where mean, does that, that is squad is missing a Simon Zebo, really, isn't it? And well, not, that, well, yeah, not really, no, because in the same position you yeah. have like the likes of Andrew Conway, who can't even make the team anymore. But the thing is, is that it was I exceptional in November. Like. I would dare to agree with Luke there, because one thing that Zebo will bring is the combination of having an attacking X Factor uh, pace and, 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 the and the experience yeah. as well. But now, in saying that, if you go back to like the turn of the decade and Simon Zebo, well, actually a little bit before that, admittedly, and Simon Zebo wasn't as experienced, do you think he could be sitting there having this conversation? Except again, though, I remember Simon Zebo was given his chance. In the Autumn Internationals. That's where he was given his chance. So, if Jordan Lammer continued to play for Leinster and was... Um, I know he's not their best player week in, week out, but he's constantly in the top four or five when he does play. So, if he continues to do that, do you have to wait a year to introduce him? Is that what you're saying? You have to wait a year to bring him in and all? No. Um, I think, I think, I think against Italy was a good time to play him and you should. I actually should have started that game. Okay. Because it's Italy. It's Italy. Yeah. It's Italy. Yeah, it's and Italy. if we're beating Scotland well... Which I don't think will happen. I think it's going to be a close enough game. Um, then finally can come on. But what does he offer us 
in this game that that, that in a situation that Joe Schmidt is going to bring him on when the match is crunch time. If if this is a tight game, Jordan Larmer will not come onto the pitch. No, he shouldn't come onto the pitch. He, but oh, if you shouldn't. were if you were to look at the positives from a you know someone who's like you're going to say his pace. If we are going to try and if we are going to try pace, and yeah, bring up his, the speed, his, his pace is a direct counter to Stuart Hogg as well. There you go. Mm. That's probably that's probably his thinking. He probably doesn't even want to bring Jordan Larmer well, on. Well, but if he has yeah, to, he's, no, he's, yeah, not, he's nowhere near defensively. Yeah, because if you exactly. if I see Rob Kearney go down in the early stages, or or rather Keith Earls go down in the early stages with an injury, I'm gonna start. You know, the the pal- the, the the heart's gonna start palpitating because he he could swing either yeah. way. But uh, on on the flip side, early on or even like in the last like maybe twenty minutes or so, if you've Stuart Hogg running at. Maybe he's broken the line. Rob Kearney's your last, your last man defence. Hall's just going to run around him. Well, it depends on the mm. Kearney's positioning. And True. In fairness, his positioning, his positioning, play his positioning has is been very fantastic good. Fantastic so far. And maybe it's Keith Earls, and we saw how fast he can run. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Kearney, yeah, Kearney has actually won me over a lot this this championship. Yeah, he he's has. Been he's, he's, solid. he's been consistently fit, and I think that's the one thing that annoyed a lot of people is that Kearney was never really hundred percent when he went into matches, whereas he is now. Mm. Another player who's he even uh, in the last couple of weeks said that he's played the best rugby of his life in the last year is Keith Earls and I think that's showing he has been, definitely that's, that's, yeah. that's the truth that's he's why. been he's been phenomenal I would have loved to see him score that try against Wales the oh, kick and just no. chase 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 he was very unlucky yeah, yeah. lovely play so that sounds like a good time to move on to the Champions League uh, which was taking place Tuesday yeah. and Wednesday yeah. Yeah. and there's only one place to start here I think and it's Spurs Shocker, really. Funnily enough, I, I wrote and shocker. Shocker. not their the shocker, is, they're shocking yeah. couple of minutes. I wouldn't I actually wrote an article about this this morning before I came in, so I I watched back a lot of the highlights of the game, particularly the two goals for Juventus. Yeah. And it was interesting that, you know, obviously the discourse on social media directly afterwards are typical spurs, you know, it's it's a very spursy performance to lose it in that way. There was only two particularly Spursy moments in that game now unfortunately they were a centre back being dragged out of their natural position in a low block to allow Paolo Dybala the space but one to play Licksteiner in and then to Ben but in fairness that wasn't the fatal flaw for the first goal the fatal flaw was Ben Davis just decided not to block the cross just jump in the way and then secondly of course the second one the more glaring error Sanchez um, who had a good game up until that point following Higuain about 20 yards way out of space Dybala Mm. gets in and he's beyond Kieran Trippier tries to play him on side even though he wasn't beyond Jan Vertonghen and Ben Davis was behind everyone anyway very poor from him uh, Vertonghen does his best gets back Larry should have done better whatever um, mm. but yeah it was a, the really only spursy moment for lack of better phrasing was Vertonghen coming out and Sanchez coming out mm. and ultimately I don't think it was because Tottenham played particularly poorly because they were overrunning them in the first half it was a fantastic oh, first half performance I don't think Tottenham played poor at all Oh, it, was, they just, it was just simply two moments and unfortunately as any team in Serie A will tell you you do not need to invent, invite Juventus once let alone twice they invited them twice they scored twice there's no team better in Europe at parking the bus than you base sorry Manchester United and yeah simple as that um, and, yeah. sorry uh, just yeah, before no. just before we move on to the thing there was also a third moment that really could have changed the game altogether anyway was which was right game. at the end Harry Kane's header which hit the post and then rolled across the line and was subsequently yeah. cleared there's, there's that's how as, close as, Spurs, as Spurs much game. a Spursy performance as it, or as it could have been for those few minutes they had their fair share of misfortune as well and I think we can't really look past that Spurs were really unlucky not to get something they did well not they to were, completely crack anyway no, after the two goals was very unlucky well, not yeah. to concede a 17 minute penalty in fairness yeah. that should have been a penalty on Douglas Costa um, and you see 
the thing is is that another thing like there were there were three key moments to change the game there was the two mistakes and there was the substitutions and it was it's quite it's quite funny because I suppose it's very peak Italian football that when you're 1-0 down that you bring on two defenders and all of a sudden you're 2-1 up yeah. <laughs> it was like you know Deli Ali had this all the space in the world down Spurs right wing because Alexandro forgot he was a defender Song Hyung Min had all the space yeah. in the world down down Spurs left wing because Andrea Barzagli couldn't handle him yep. and then they bring in Licksteiner and Asamoa they simply plug the gaps you know they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're they are flexible they, they, side they, you, right? they are it's, it's Juve are kind of like Lego and like you know you can take one piece out, but then you can just put another piece in, and it can yeah, be, sure. Sound, it can be just as strong, and just as good. Yeah. It is interesting to note yeah. that of the, like in Syria in recent weeks, Sandro hasn't playing as a left winger, not as a left back, so. which is probably why he neglected his defensive duties. Yeah, yeah, because I saw um, a lot of people trying. And to it was s- that awareness by Juventus to know when they had to change the system. Yeah, it was fantastic game management by Allegri. Because you're mm. looking on the face of it, and it's like you're taking off Benatia. And Ma- I personally would have taken off Kadir. I think he was more ineffective than Matuidi, but that's neither here nor there. Neither played particularly well in the first half. And Benatia, and just bringing on two fullbacks, and you're thinking, oh, Jesus Christ, like, you know, you got to mm. go bring on Bernardeschi, bring on somebody, um, I, the Uruguayan Bentacor, somebody who can go go and get after them. Yeah. And actually, funnily enough, it was Licksteiner who ended up putting in the ball for the first goal. So <laughs> he really did nail those just two substitutions at leg. How long has he been going at Juventus now? Jesus. Licksteiner, oh, it's at least five, six mm. years. One thing I like. Licksteiner and Asamoa have been there since. Um, I know Asamoa's been there since 2010 or I, 11. I think Licksteiner's been there for the same time. They're both very much of the akin to Chiellini and, you know, like, yeah. you think yeah. about it. They've always well, Asamoa's always kind of fallen into oh. a fullback role more recently, but they've always Vincenzo been there. Iaquinta, that is that is a throwback and a half. Iaquinta, <laughs> remember Chiro Ferrara's Juve that came like eighth two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. Was aw- well, it was an awful side, but Jesus, it was so bad. I suppose, I suppose there is there is a bit of a headline in the other match as well because Basel actually did manage to beat City. It's only the. Uh, the it, first it, did they actually? I didn't even see that result. Two one, yeah. Very, the first time City have been beaten at home. Very strange season, result. Very strange game. Brilliant. Because um, City took the lead, uh, so the you last thing you expected to, yeah, you expected it to be maybe two, three, four nil again, but yeah, I think the City heads are like five nil up on aggregate, you know. Yeah. It was interesting. Guardiola in his press conference afterwards said, "We had all this possession, but it means nothing if you forget how to attack." And I think that's all it was. I think City were just like, ah. I think I know why. Chelsea wore them down. They just needed an extra game. Well, no, they just didn't care. The fact they just didn't care. Now I know, like, I don't want to ever accuse a footballer of not caring because obviously there's professional pride involved in this now. But like, but it was less urgency. I think there was a lack of professionalism on the city behalf. I mean, you look at Liverpool uh, on the Tuesday night, and it was it was a little bit more professional. They were determined to make sure Porto weren't given a sniff. Now, Whereas yeah. at times City felt quite open. Now in saying that, what, what we saw. what we have to say is, in fairness to Basel, they're already out of the Champions League. They yeah. are. It, I know that they've been Swiss champions the last six years, but they are currently fourteen points behind Young Boys Zurich in the table. So they're not going to win the league title this year. Mm. This was their last real opportunity to go out and have a bit of crack. Do you know what I mean? Oh, they so went. Yeah. In, this, yeah. in fairness this to Basel, Basel did play. It, it, you know, well to say, oh, we, well. Th- th- Man City could win this tournament, and Basel could say, well. We better we in got, their own backyard. We yeah. I know we're gonna, I know we're going to finish second in the league this year, but we still beat City. That's fair, Basel fair have been a Basel. great team in Europe for yeah. the last couple of years as well. Let's not forget. Basel, a great yeah. kind of you know like smaller league team. Like you know what I mean. Like they always make a good account of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They never that the first leg defeat to City that 
four nil defeat. They never get hammered like that. There was a very rare sort of Basel thing yeah. to happen. It was almost yeah. like testament to how good City are. I yeah. mean, you, I mean, you could argue that United only beat them one nil, but that Basel was United, done Liverpool so. out of Champions League three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Oh, don't um, remind me of that game, please, Kevin. <laughs> sure, Basel dumped. Uh, Bring on Mario Balotelli, yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. Sure, Basel dumped United out of the Champions League once before. Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, 2014 15. It yeah. was Moyes' season, whatever that one oh, was. 13 14. 13 14, yeah. And then 14 15, they dumped Liverpool out. They had a great two years yeah. then, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Like, in fairness to Basel, you could almost think that in a in a supposed bygone era, they're one of those smaller teams that are, it's virtually impossible to do it now. But in a bygone era, they could have they come back and won the European Cup next year, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, they're, it's they're that one kind of them, yeah. like, And I think they've got some decent players in the team and uh, Michael Lang who scored against both United and City yeah. uh, Elia Nussi who's a fine winger oh, uh, yeah, yeah. probably will move to the Premier League at some point in his career he's very much suited to that well, who else has come from Baz in the last few years uh, Shakiri, Xhaka um, let me think Mbolo Mbolo yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so yeah. yeah there's a there's a fair few they're, there they're a decent Salah is a former Basel player Salah's former Basel yeah, yeah. They're, they're a decent old factory it's the making of Mo Salah in Basel there you go. Most, a, lo- a lot of Belgian players have come out of Basel as well like okay you've also got standard Liège and young boys as Anderlecht. well and Anderlecht yeah. Yeah. a lot of a lot of good Belgian players come out of Basel and I think it's a testament to their youth system as well that they get mm. and they're scouting that's yeah, that's the crucial scouting. thing you know because Elia yeah, like, he's, Elia he's Norwegian yeah he's Norwegian but like yeah. something like Salah yeah. Egyptian you know. Salah's Egyptian yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, yeah. It, it's a testament to the, how well they've been able to you just got a Tinder notification it's a testament to how well <laughs> guess who it is <laughs> <laughs> now can I just say this is Amy Dunn <laughs> Amy Dunn <laughs> <laughs> She does it every week because she knows I'm recording this podcast and she always catches me out. So this is not Gavin. Uh, what do you mean? This is the intro. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, so what about Tuesday? Tuesday night, uh, Liverpool, uh, a very, very boring nil-all draw with FC Porto and I think that's exactly what Klopp wanted. Look, yeah. look, Klopp, Klopp uh, took the time to... He didn't... I don't think he started Oxlade-Chamberlain. He didn't start, obviously, Mo Salah. But like it's it was a good chance for him to get like Moreno get the got a start. Moreno got a start for the first time in, first a, while. Time in a while. The Robertson's um, taken that position from him. Yeah, you also Deserve, had Deserve Joe Gomez, absolutely. a right back. Yeah. He he's actually very good at like rotating Trent and Alexander Arnold and. Yeah. Well, he has actually Joe said he Gomez. wants Joe Gomez to be a centre back. Oh, he does, but you need uh, which he should be. Yeah. But you need Nathaniel Klein's issue to be sorted. Yeah. Whatever yeah. that uh, issue uh, is. Uh, well, he's back in training now, so. Yeah. Uh, Lalana also got a start. Lalana too. Full yeah. ninety minutes, first yeah. time since his injury. Personally, I would have loved to see maybe Dominic Solanke or maybe Danny Ings even get a start. Ings well, brought on. He got brought I, on, but I I'd love to was, see him get a start. I think you know? they should have started uh, started them for sure. And if Porto had gotten a couple of goals, you could have brought on the players just for the you know the big boys for the insurance you might policy. As well, yeah, yeah. But I think. The, look, it was over, wasn't it? From yeah, the first tie, five away goals. It's, it's all coming back from that for Porto. Yeah. The other game. Real Madrid continue this uncanny ability to be terrible domestically and quite sensational in Europe. I think this game this game was lost before um, it even happened. This game was lost last week when Neymar got injured. I would 100% agree with you there, Ian, because unfortunately, and this is a damning indictment of Unai Emery, whenever you look at PSG without Neymar, they are lost. Yep. Like I know it's kind of a joke where you see it in teams like, I'll just pass the ball to the best player or whatever, but like... I think I was looking at a statistic. Di Maria passed it once to Cavani and never to Mbappe. Mbappe passed it once to Cavani and never to Di Maria. And uh, Cavani passed it once to Di Maria and never to Mbappe. Their front three have absolutely no link up. But when Neymar's on the pitch, it's slightly better because Neymar can kind of roam wherever he wants. 
but they only ever play to each other out of necessity. It's very strange um, because they're world-class players. They are. But, but it's almost more... like the French League has installed in them complacency. Yeah, I saw a wonderful um, article. Uh, I was on the Irish Times for the life of me. I don't remember who wrote it. But um, comparing Paris Saint-Germain to an X-Factor... Uh, created boy bands so not like one, one that formed beforehand yeah <laughs> essentially comparing them to One Direction where you've got five of these uh, alleged world class uh, singers and performers and admittedly three and of Simon them Simon Cowell says let's push them all together yeah, three of them have done well since they've been out of there admittedly so fair play to the, the talent scouts for that in Niall Zane and, and Harry but um, in <laughs> fairness I, I like One Direction wow I like One Direction but um, I liked One Direction but they're all in it kind of well, for do you not think like, the other guy who has the video on Doncaster Rover Stadium no he's Louis done alright yeah he's done grand the, the song with B-Bay Rex is really good my favourite Louis Thompson moment was on Adebayor not Adebayor Akbar on the Hall creamed him in that charity game oh <laughs> I remember that yeah. yeah but yo um, but yo but no um, what you've got is you've got a series of individually fantastically talented players who are kind of all in it for themselves at PSG they, and they don't have a strong enough personality in charge to bring them together and well, get Neymar is that team. personality but Neymar again is too self-obsessed well, no too. I meant the manager yeah, no, well, there's, yeah. there's uh, Una Emery is, is is a good manager though no he is he is but he can't control <clears throat> it's like this is the reason that Real Madrid can can get themselves up for big games because Zidane is just tactically woefully inept let's let's be fair yeah, yeah. but he can drum up the personalities for the big games that's why he's there that's why why was Carlo Ancelotti so successful at Real Madrid because outside of a basic um, he has a basic tactical setup okay fair enough but he allows his mm. teams and his best players to perform with a great degree of freedom and he can motivate them for those big games and in fairness to Zidane, as bad as he has been this season, and I don't think he'll last it to the end of the season, regardless of the fact that they just beat PSG, unless, oh, he, wins know, cha- unless he wins the Champions League again. Which he probably will watch. Which he probably will. But that's yeah. that's my point. Unai Emery's not the man to, to big them up, you know? Well, who well, would you get in instead? I'd get in Angelotti if that bridge wasn't already burned, but... Um, <laughs> oh, no. I, well, like one, like one I don't know I honestly because I know they're looking at Pochettino but at the same time I know Pochettino probably is the man because if, if Emery is the man Pochettino I can't see Pochettino either. leaving Spurs as well I hope I he doesn't I know England at the moment the Premier League is starting to it's is, re, is kind of reimagining itself once again as the best league in the world yes whereas after yeah. it had recently lost that title maybe after yeah. a, multiple woeful seasons by English teams in Europe they are better now yeah. there, there is starting to clear, flex the muscles a bit more yeah yeah, there's a clear and serious improvement. And, and the best managers in the world have all conformed onto the Premier League. You've got you've got Klopp, you've got Guardiola, you've got Mourinho, you know, you've got Pochettino now as one of the best in the world. So Arsene Wenger's gone to PSG then, is he? <laughs> oh, imagine. That would I be could, brilliant. Um, do you know what? He's like, I'm going to make another Invincibles. <laughs> it's It could happen. I could, I could, <laughs> I could see that happening. I could, I, I could see that happening. Because the only other manager that pops into my mind is Mourinho, but he just signed a new contract, so he's not leaving United. And to be honest with you, I don't think Pochettino fits at PSG, and like you said, Ian, I don't think he's... Would you take Una Emery at Arsenal? Yeah. Well, I'm not an Arsenal fan. I don't yeah, really think care about, about Arsenal. Would anybody, think about what, I'm not, if you were yeah. an Arsenal fan... Think about you? what he did with Sevilla. Yeah, of course you would, yeah. Because Sevilla... Turn him into your Sevilla's... League experts. <laughs> Sure, you might as well. What else is going well, on? He'll, he'll have days. a bit more resources in Arsenal, but like where PSG want big money, instant success. If Arsenal get rid of Wenger, they might say, "Right, we'll give you two years." Yeah, but Arsenal aren't getting rid of Wenger because they never. But you know what I mean. Yeah. If Wenger leaves, <laughs> which never happened either. Sorry, Wenger leaving. He's what? Robert. It's Ar- Ar- Arsene Mugabe. <laughs> He's never leaving. But no, like in fairness, um, 
I can't really think of unfortunately I can't really think of anybody else other than like Blanc or Ancelotti who are big game players whose bridges they've already burnt you know unless they try and get Gattuso from AC Milan that's not going to happen no, either he's not going to leave no you know yeah. he scares me Gattuso's AC Milan through and through like he's not leaving the team Gattuso wants to build he wants to be the Arsene Wenger of AC Manager and it's interesting that Gattuso's done and I suppose we'll and interesting that they're playing Arsenal yeah we'll bridge over into a into a very quick Europa League preview to end the show I suppose Um, because Milan and Arsenal is a relatively big game for us even though we you know it's a Europa League and I'm not I personally won't be watching it it doesn't make a massive difference to me who wins or loses although I do have a soft spot for AC Milan it's interesting that we all do Gattuso has done so well when you think about Inzaghi was coach uh, Seydorf was coach uh, Christian Brocky was coach all former players of the same era and yeah. did and terrible it was it like they work. got a gun and just sort of Milan just you know until eventually they fired until and hit the target exactly yeah um, and like you know the only notable moment that Gattuso had ever had as a coach before that was the sometimes maybe good sometimes maybe shit in the <laughs> he did that's the only thing you know because he was a manager before this but um, they you know like I, he got Pisa promoted to like Serie B. That's his only thing he's done. Other than that, that interview, and he was a U coach in Milan. Obviously, he's mm-hmm. done quite well so far. Um, well, um, he, after yes. that, is he thirteen, fourteen games unbeaten or something? He's at ten. What's the the team at the bottom here? Beneventoro. Beneventoro. Yeah. Beneventoro. Yeah. After did they draw with them? They, they drew with them. Yeah. The coach scored last game. Yeah. I, I believe the line he used was, "I felt like killing myself." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's you know he's just. You think of Gattuso as a player, he was just this bitey little, you know what, who terrier. just wouldn't leave it. A terrier, yeah. yeah. I was kind of, I was going to yeah. think of a certain word beginning with C, but whatever. Sort of like a light, depri- um, sort of like if Andrea Pirlo was deprived of light and food and water. <laughs> <laughs> Left in a feral state for 24 hours, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so he's gotten the, what he's been able to do. He's been able to motivate and get the best out of his players. And exactly. he's kept the, the tactical side of it relatively simple other than um, somehow turning Fabio Barini into like an outstanding left winger all of a sudden. I always, like, well, in, in, in fairness to Fabio, Fabio Barini, I I always saw when he when he played for Sunderland. That sounds like such a no. I I I, I, I agree. <laughs> and he actually agree looked fully. like a good player. Yeah, no, he I did. Agree. It's when he played with Liverpool. He kind of he looked out well, of his fairness, depth completely. Brandon Rogers yeah. had no idea how to manage technical players and try to develop them. Uh, he, he could fit them into a system. Yeah, he could fit them into a. He could fit already technically gifted players into a system, but he could never take somebody and turn them into a good player. Yeah, but like, when did he ever do that? I don't know. Never exactly. Ah, Raheem. Uh, Raheem was dog-ish. already on the way. No. Okay, fair enough. But um, no, we'll get back to the point here. Um, Gattuso hasn't done anything revolutionary at AC Milan. He's just kind of pick up your bleeding arses this is AC Milan that's basically all, yeah. all these, all these with a bit of financial, financial backing as well let's well, not forget well no because he's using all the Montella signs he didn't sign anybody in January but st- but that's what I mean Like he, st- he still had all these players coming in well no Montella did and Montella got sacked in December because he was crap they, none of these are fair, fair. players other than Calabria the right back who didn't because they played yeah. Andrea Conti and um, Ricardo Rodriguez well, well what run. is Gattuso going to do have Andrea Schenko come on the pitch on like a stretcher well, and basically what he's done is he's just gone right here's the Milan lads You've, he's, he's cemented Patrick Atrari as their striker and Davide yeah. Calabria as their right back and Barini you know, left wing and he's kind of you know he's picked players in their natural positions instead of Montella trying to fit them into a system that didn't work he's got that real I, you Calabria you Katrick, you're Donnarumma as well you're AC Milan pick yourselves up play for the shorts that's something that Arsene Wenger 
evidently can't. isn't doing. Uh, and that, so I suppose the key question here is, are AC Milan going to turn Arsenal over? Uh, comfortably. They should, yeah. Two yeah. uh, wow. nil, Suso and Catrone goals. Why did wow. Liverpool ever let go of Suso? Uh, For next to nothing money. Yeah, Luis Alberto, Albert, yeah. another fabulous player. Yeah. Lazio. Never yeah. given Again, a but these are all players under, you know who, Brendan Rodgers. Well, Brendan Rodgers well, actually gave Suso his chance back in the first year before... Yeah, as before. Luis Alberto never got a look in there. Well, yeah. I no, think I, that's more akin to the Premier League in general, just letting young forwards go and they don't score in their first five games. Yeah, I mean, not, Nevis the boys brilliant at Leon. Not going to lie, yeah. I completely forgot Luis Alberto played for Liverpool in the first place. No, he, d- he, he just, just never he, got a chance. He is yeah. outstanding. Suso, Barini and Luis Alberto all were not given much of a chance. Suso more so than the others. But Barini was given one season and told, crap, go out on loan. I mean, Same so can Alberto, we talk about Iago Aspas? Iago Aspas is an exceptional player in Spain. I think his physique yeah. was never going to be right for the Premier League. But I could have seen, I could definitely see, and that is often a problem, is that they don't build, they don't have the physique. Barini needed to, you know, bulk up, you know, Luis Alberto, he needed to bulk up. You need to be more physical in the Premier League than you do in a Spanish or Italian league. Well, unless, well, okay. you, unless your technical skill develops to a point where you don't need it, and I think all of these players can now say, but "Well, Barini, I think is he's you know he's got pace yeah. at least." Um, and now the rest of them have kind of got to the point where they're like, "Yeah, they could move back." Like anyone, not everybody is not everybody is going to be like Mo Salah and just instantly you know join a team and start banging. Yeah, goals. yeah, yeah. 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 The, you know, some players take. Mo Salah's been frightening in the way he's done that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some yeah, players is, yeah. will take two, three years. It took Suarez to two or three years to it do did, what he yeah, did. Yeah, like in in, or even 12, even Fernando Torres. Everyone's making a whole big deal about oh Fernando Torres. He's come to the Premier League and he's he's absolutely no, Torres did, up. I think. That's his point. Yeah, oh, no, sorry. Know, like, yeah, like, <laughs> I thought you were saying that Torres did. Yeah, and that ev- yeah, and ev- everyone's made a whole big deal about it. Whereas Salah's done even better than that. And I think well, less of a big deal is made out of that. He's better than what Suarez did already. In yeah. fairness, it's not Salah's first season in the Premier League. Let's not forget. That is true. Salah, but yeah, but um, Salah is also the top scoring Egyptian in the Premier League's history when you consider the fact that Mido was there for a few seasons. I think we could sit here and do an entire episode on uh, attacking players given their chance Amir. in the Premier League. Amir oh, yeah. Zaki included. Actually can we close that. with something if we do we, if we have two minutes like to briefly say I know two, two of us did it two on minutes. Twitter. Quick 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 quick. Um, who, what player made you fall in love with football? You go first, you know what it is. Uh, well, I have a top three, but I'll, um, the third was Ronaldinho, second was Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. Number one was Lucio, which I know isn't a left-field choice, but when I was younger, six years old, well, five years old, uh, playing for Lord Celtic, coming through the academy, quickly learned that in Ireland, if you're not quick, you probably won't develop very far, so I'm going to be a centre-half. And that year, Lucio, banger for Bayer Leverkusen, lifted the World Cup, instant hero. Followed him to Bayern Munich. Followed him. Was so proud of him when he lifted the Champions League for Milan <laughs> in that um, in that uh, treble winning season. He's just the most grace, one of the most graceful centre halves I can remember. Fantastic technical skill, uncompromising defender, and personal hero growing up in football. My can I say my own? I'm very excited. Go for it. My one is um, it was first jersey I ever got. Liverpool jersey. Well, not like as in first jersey with a player's name on it. Number five, Milan Baros. Ah. I'm telling you, 2004 2005 season, <laughs> he Alex was unbelievable. Scored unbelievable goals. Um, he did a lot of donkey work to get that ball close to over the line against Chelsea. We won't debate that. And um, yeah, if not, we wouldn't be in the Champions League final. And then yeah, if he didn't move over the line, it definitely was. It definitely was. Yeah, it yeah. Wasn't. But um, yeah. Miroslav Klose. Why? Because it's Miroslav Klose, and he's just a legend. Um, him or to... Steven Gerrard, I'd be lying if I didn't. Mm. I would honestly just because of the fact that 
you know he's sort of the reason why I started playing left wing and football as Ryan Giggs but also the first going back to your point the first name with the jersey on the back was Robbie Keane obviously Irish best yeah. Yeah. Well I player. think a lot of people would say that no mine, yeah. mine was actually uh, Ronaldinho I didn't get names in the jerseys I also, most when I was younger but Ronaldinho was my there's all, yeah, also two, 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 two players two players I, I liked growing up was also Ronaldinho and JJ Okocha as well yeah, fair, fair. So, I might, I, I, I'd actually give half a talk to Luis Figo as well because I just remembered Ronaldinho was not the Ronaldinho was the second jersey I got Luis Figo for Portugal. John O'Shea, John O'Shea nutmegging Luis Figo. Wesley Hula had once nutmegged the entire Deportivo team at Talton Park. <laughs> legend oh. The reason why I actually love Milan Barros so much is because he was so slow and so stupid when he tried to get. <laughs> no, 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 can I, can I, can I finish this point? I love him because he's. Do so you know? Stupid. Do you know Vladimir Smith's goal? The I second do, yeah. goal in that Champions League I final. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch that goal and look at Milan Barros he got he got in the way of the shot and then he was like oh shit and, like, moves, and moves his belly away and like if if he didn't like because the ball went like flying right by him and yeah. it actually deflected the path of the ball towards Dida a little bit yeah and I think if Barros wasn't there that ball could have hit the post so if he wasn't stupid Liverpool wouldn't have won the Champions League so what that's Gavin what I'm trying, trying to say, say is Milan Barros's belly is what made me fell in love with football. Yes. But sure, I fell in love with Nottingham or Solskjaer just because he was always on the bench. Like, <laughs> Solskjaer was such a gimmick to me. It was like Rey Mysterio. He was just yeah. like the ultimate baby face. Just, and every time he got his chance, you know, he'd deliver. <laughs> Solskjaer taught named, me to never give aptly up. Aptly named the baby face assassin. Yeah, as well. yeah, well, I'm six, not John Cena. He still looks about 10. Yeah. And, and before these three get into some sort of deep, deep conversation about WWE, <laughs> I think we should end the podcast there. Thanks to Gavin, Alex and Ian. Uh, we'll catch you next Thursday. I want this on record. <laughs> Billy Keenan is sacked. Can I not? Can we? Can we point out that Billy Keenan, the first one this semester we did, Billy Keenan said, "Oh yeah, no, I'll be here like every week." Yeah, yeah of course he did. Up, haven't showed up since. He shows up for the first <laughs> podcast of first semester and the first podcast of second semester. In fairness, they were the two you best rugby sacked. episodes we've done. But um, other than yeah. that, <laughs> that's, that's a fair. I didn't show up for. Uh,